0: Here's one of those. I'm Sebastian Zupanek from Armadura Metal Roof, and I guarantee your Armadura roof will last for 50 years. Wait a minute, Sebas. Don't call me Sebas. I'm Bill Crooked from Crooked Roofing. Right. Everyone knows rules are different for roofs. At Armadura, we believe in honesty and consistency. Sure, fine, whatever. My company, Crooked Roofing. Crooked? That's my name. Any cheaper would be a crime. Now listen, we got three packages to choose from. You got your. Year shingles, they last about seven years. Then you got your 15 year shingles, them suckers last about 12. And for the big bucks, go for the 20 year shingles, and they'll hang on about uh, 15 years. Do you even hear yourself? So, which one you want? The cheapest, right? (laughs) Knew you would. That's really how you do business. Well, that's how it works in roughing. Time for some disruption. (laughs) Them's fighting words, see, bass. Then you're in for a fight. Armadura.ca. Dave Young here, alongside Stephen Semple, and we are loading up another episode of the Empire Builders Podcast. And Stephen, you said that the topic today is Hallmark. There's so many things I think of when I think of Hallmark. There was a store in my hometown that was, you know, a Hallmark store. And there's the movies, right? There's that the come movies. Out at yep. Christmas time. There's the yep. ornaments.
1: Where are we headed with this today? Well, we're gonna go right back. To the origin, of course. Hallmark's a big deal. They do $5 in sales. They have 30,000 employees, and they are still privately owned. Oh, no kidding. We don't come across this very often where you've got a company that was started back in 1910 and has grown into this big thing and is still a privately held business. So it's kind of special.
0: That really is. Still in the same family?
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay which is very cool. How did they get started? Well, they were founded in 1910 by Joyce Hall in Kansas City, Missouri. Today, they are the largest manufacturer of greeting cards in the United States. And they also make, as you said, ornaments and party goods and a bunch of other things. They bought in 1987 from Binney and Smith, they bought Crayola.
0: I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah. And on the TV things, they also, in the early days, did some joint ventures with Jim Henson. Okay, so the Muppets and all of that? Oh, wow. Yeah. The business started out being postcards. So Joyce Hall and his older brothers, William and Rolly started a company called Norfolk Postcard Company in 1907. And it operated out of a bookstore in Norfolk, Nebraska, where they worked. Okay. And within a year, Roly bought out the store's non-family business partner, and it became Hall Brothers, and the store became the Hall Bookstore. The postcard business did really well, and soon they outgrew the store, and they moved to a bigger city. They moved to Kansas City in 1910. Okay. And by 1912, 2 years after the move, the postcard craze, it was a real craze, it was a like massive thing, started to fade a little bit. And what they then started to do was sell Christmas letters and greeting cards. And they changed the name to the Norfolk Card Company. And this became really interesting up until about 1917 because before this time, the Victorian class The hoity toities would wrap their presents in this really fancy, heavy, expensive paper. The less wealthy couldn't afford this, you know. And actually, in many cases, less wealthy couldn't even afford presents. But what they would do is they would decorate the presents with less expensive colored tissue paper. That would be how people would decorate the presents. So it's 1917, and the brothers were having a great Christmas season. So good, in fact, they ran out of tissue paper. Oh, gosh. Searching through what they had, they came across this fancy French paper that they had. And this paper was used for the lining of envelopes. If you remember. Oh, yeah. Right?
0: It would serve a couple of purposes. It made it pretty, but it also made it so that you couldn't see through it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And what they decided to do was sell this paper for 10 cents a sheet as wrapping paper. And they sold a ton of it. But they weren't sure whether it was a fluke. So the next year, they decided to test if this was a fluke. So they offered the paper again, but this time, it was three sheets for $0.25 cents, rather than $0.10 cents a sheet. And again, they sold out. In 1919, they were so confident in the market that they started to make and sell their own wrapping paper. Paper that was designed solely for the purpose of wrapping presents. Okay. And again, went gangbusters. Gangbusters. And in 1922, the company started to expand across the country. And at the same time, they started to create everyday greeting cards, not just holiday cards.
0: How long before they started inventing holidays?
1: Right, that would be the next (laughs) state. And basically, in a really short period of time, from 1922 to 1928, staff grew from four people to 120 people, and they started advertising nationally. They first appeared in the Ladies' Home Journal.
0: Okay. You
1: know, which is a magazine that's still around today. Home Journal still around today. Sure. And in that year, they introduced the brand called Hallmark. So how
0: is that different than what they had been doing?
1: They didn't have the brand stamped on it. And they created the Hallmark symbol. And it was inspired by the symbols that they saw goldsmiths using in London in the 14th century.
0: So steal a little bit of the fancy
1: look. Steal a little bit of that fancy look. And they started putting that mark on every card. And that's when they started to call the business Hallmark. That was a good move. Yeah. And in 1944, they created the slogan, when you care enough to send the very best, which was created by C.E. Goldman, who was a marketing and sales executive with Hallmark.
0: One thing that just gets me curious, how did they do during the depression, right? So a lot of this was built up in the 20s. Even if times are bad, you want to spend a few cents, a little bit extra on your loved ones, right?
1: You know, it's interesting. In my research, nothing came out about challenges or breakthroughs or things that happened through the depression. But it's really interesting to note there's this lady who wrote a book, Faith Popcorn, called The Popcorn Report. And one of the things that she talks about is this idea of small indulgences. That when we go into recessionary times, what happens is, is that's what does well. So for example, fancy high-end restaurants struggle. A dessert shop does great. Gotcha. Because yeah. I can't afford the $200 steak dinner, but what we can do is go out and spend 20 bucks on a fancy dessert, right? So this idea of small indulgences. So yes, I may not be able to get the present I want to get, but I can spend 10 cents and wrap it really nicely. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I'm going to guess it probably did really well. I would agree. And you're right, David. In 1951, the television program that they started was, yeah, the Hallmark Hall of Fame. And you know what's really interesting? They won 80 Emmys. No kidding. 80. 80. So they actually produced some pretty decent stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, pull on your heartstrings.
0: All of their stories were either tear jerkers or just uplifting things, maybe stories of people overcoming things and always heartwarming. I think my parents used to make us watch those on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and in the 1973, they started making Christmas ornaments and they created this Hallmark keepsake ornament collection. There's basically 11 million American households collect Hallmark. Um, ornaments, And they have 250,000 people as members of the Keepsake Ornament Collections Club, which was also launched in 1987.
0: I've got a couple of bins in the garage that if anybody wants to contact me and sift through them. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this.
2: Brought to you by the Least Full of Shit Marketers Association of America. Yes, that's a low bar, but we clear it mightily. We're also the largest pay-per-performance branding group in North America, and that part's for reals. If you're looking for advertising advice geared towards local owner-operated companies, this is your podcast. And now you can pick the brains of these advertising geniuses over lunch without having to pay for lunch or even leave your office. We're talking 90 minutes of straight answers to all your burning questions about lead generation, customer acquisition, mass media branding, how to get off the paper crack treadmill, anything you want and the only coin required is candor. Because we can't give no bullshit advice without basing it off no BS data on your company, competitive landscape, operations and all that jazz. We send you a pre-Zoom questionnaire. You fill it out candidly, and boom. Bob's your uncle, you're in like Flynn, and we'll be frank as fuck in giving you the straight scoop on all the advertising and business growth questions you always wanted to know, but were too afraid to ask. You'll also get our no pitching and no bitching guarantee. No pitching means we won't pitch you or try to sell you in any way. If you want more after 90 minutes, you'll have to ask. And no bitching means if you don't think the meeting was worth your 90 minutes, we'll send you a 100 bucks. Consider it us picking up the tab for lunch and putting our money where our mouth is. Sound like a not so full of shit offer? Well, that is what we're known for. Take us up on it at EmpireBuildersProgram.com.
0: Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing.
1: The thing that's interesting is still privately owned.
0: Do you know much about the I guess it would be a franchise? Like we had a Hallmark store. In my town, it was Anne's Card and Party Shop and it was a Hallmark Gold Crown store, which was a higher level than just a store that sold the greeting cards. But she had a gift store on one side and then all this Hallmark product on the other. And I don't know if that was a franchise or licensing or what kind of model it was, but they were heavily into retail as well.
1: Yes, yes, very heavily into retail. They had their own stores, their own corporate stores. They had licensed stores. Yeah, they had a number of different ways in which that distribution was done. But the thing that's really interesting when you think about In many ways, you could look at it as being disjointed. We've got cards, and we've got wrapping paper, and we've got ornaments, and we've got television. But in many ways, they were all together because, to your point, it was all about emotional family time. Mm -hmm. The cards were for special occasions, right? But they were all things that had this high emotional family time and the television shows were that way and the Christmas ornaments are that way and the wrapping paper is that way. So in many ways, while it's a lot of different things, it's also very focused. But the part that I found really interesting about the origin of all of this, the origin of all of this came from we sold out. You could stop there. And most businesses do. We sold out of the tissue paper. And they went, well, what else could be used? Oh, we've got this lining paper. Let's sell that. Holy crap, that sold really well. Let's try it again. It sold out really well. Okay, let's make something specifically for that. Holy crap, that sold out really well. This is a new business.
0: Yeah. Sometimes business owners are like, well, I guess we sold out. We just have to wait for more to come. Right. Right. And instead of what else could we sell? What do we have laying around here that maybe we could sell instead of that?
1: Right. That we can repurpose to that. That's close enough that we could offer it as that. Yeah. Yeah. When I came across this story, that's what I found so interesting was we sold out. What else can we do? And then they didn't immediately jump on it. It was like, okay, well, let's try it again. And it's like, okay, now let's put this twist on. Wow, we got a business here. Let's run with that.
0: Can I offer one other lesson here?
1: Absolutely.
0: The fact that they got into TV programming, this is classic content marketing. It's not just the Hallmark Hall of Fame. It's brought to you by Hallmark. Right. Right. So you've got people that love their loved ones and want to send the very best and wrap things in the very best paper and send the nicest cards. And you're giving them programming that plays to their own sensibilities and draws them in even closer. Right. Now they feel really good about Hallmark and get to the point where they'd much rather buy a, a Hallmark card or go without. If I can't get a Hallmark card, I'm not going to the grocery store and buying one of those off-brand ones.
1: Or the gas station.
0: (laughs) Right? I think that's changed in recent years. But at the same time, back in the 60s, 70s, it was Hallmark. And that's how you knew when you care enough to send the very best, that's what they were telling us.
1: And I think we all believed that. And they also leaned into it with that really fancy, you know, Hallmark symbol, right? Mm-hmm. Also, I think, reinforce that. But Dave, you bring up a really interesting observation I hadn't thought about is that you're right, that was very much classic content marketing. Marketers on the internet want to believe that they created content marketing, right? Yeah. And yeah. we have an even older, like if you go back to the Dr. Brinkley story, that's an even older story that's even closer to content marketing. So if you wanna hear a really old story of content marketing done over the radio, (laughs) go back and listen to the Dr. Brinkley story. We won't give away the punchline either. It's a great story. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It just warmed my heart to hear about Hallmark.
1: Yeah, it's really a special story and it's cool that they're still family owned. Thanks for listening to the podcast.
0: Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at theempirebuilderspodcast.com.